you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are close to flat as the vote count continues in Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia. The Senate now becomes a bit more complicated for investors. October jobs come in 638,000, the fifth month of declining gains. And COVID cases, Jim, once again at a record. Obviously, we hope to learn a lot more uh, specifically from the vote count in Pennsylvania and Georgia. But we're now playing. These, these are uh, grown-up trades now in the market, Jim. Yeah, well, I mean, it's really interesting if you look at the actual breakdown, the employment survey data. Uh, what stands out as being incredibly strong, uh, leisure and hospitality. I mean, could that industry be making a bottom, perhaps? I, I, I know it's not in the areas that we're in, but th- that's extraordinary numbers. And what it says to me is, is that don't write off whole industries yet. Government employment fell by 268,000. That's an interesting kind of Reagan-like figure. David, uh, the numbers are a little counterintuitive. It, the numbers do indicate that there is some sort of, I'm going to use the, uh, the alphabet here, a V recovery, David. Yeah, they're strong. I, I just, you know, talking to numbers, obviously, we watch in Pennsylvania where uh, Vice President Biden has now taken the lead. We're watching COVID cases where there's 118,000 new cases yesterday, Jim. Yeah. 9,600 in Texas, 9,900 in Illinois. Um, those numbers don't augur too well for a V in uh, travel and leisure. True. That's why it's surprising. Absolutely. Carl? Guys, let's turn our attention to the race for president. Uh, Vice President Biden holding the lead in the vote count as we enter our fourth day now, despite multiple lawsuits from the Trump campaign, as was uh, the case yesterday. The race appears to hinge on just a handful of battlegrounds. Take a look at Pennsylvania. Uh, still too close to call, but the vice president uh, just moments ago taking a lead by more than uh, 5,500 votes, thousands of ballots still being processed. We will go live to Frank Holland and Philly in a few moments. Georgia, uh, the president holding a more than 300,000 vote lead late on election night. Biden now up by more than 1,000 votes. Clayton County, which was represented by civil rights icon John Lewis, did give the former vice president the lead. The counting continues. Arizona, it's the president closing the gap. NBC says the race is too early to call, but we're expecting a new batch of votes from the state's largest county to drop around 11 a.m. Eastern time. In terms of the Electoral College, unchanged since yesterday, according to NBC, 253 for Biden and 214 for the president. As we said, all eyes are going to be on Philadelphia this morning, and that is where we find our Frank Holland once again. Hey, Frank. Hey, good morning, Carl. As you said it, the eyes of the world are on Pennsylvania, Philadelphia in particular, and on this building here in Philadelphia. This is the Philadelphia Convention Center. This is where the mail-in ballots for the city are being counted as we speak. Now, at the latest count, here are the numbers that we had. Obviously, those numbers have changed since Joe Biden has taken a lead in the state so far, but at the latest count, we have the city of Philadelphia still counting just under 52,000 mail-in ballots. They are largely expected to be for Joe Biden. He's already captured about 80% of the vote here in the city. That percentage is expected to stay consistent 
throughout those mail-in ballots, at least to some degree. I mean, obviously, we don't know if it'll be exactly 80 percent. Right now, we're looking at the Pennsylvania mail-in ballot count, about 163,000, less than that left to count. Um, so mail-in ballots, of course, are statewide largely expected to be for Joe Biden because the president himself said that mail-in and voting just isn't the right way to do it. He actually said it was a, a, a way to commit fraud. He actually encouraged his supporters to go to the ballots, uh, to the polls, and vote in person. So just generally, the thought is that more of these mail-in ballots will be for Joe Biden. And as we said, less than 53,000 of these mail-in ballots left to count here in Philadelphia. Another thing to watch are the counties around Philadelphia as Joe Biden continues to take a lead. Philadelphia and the four counties around it make up one-third of the voters in this state. Joe Biden has his strongest support in this area. And when you look at the mail-in ballots that these counties have left to count, you see he could pop potentially take an even bigger lead. Uh, Philadelphia County, uh, Bucks County right here, Delaware County. In all of these different counties, he's gotten at least 55% of the vote or more so far. So again, you have to extrapolate a little bit and look at the, the, the thought that these mail-in ballots will be largely for Joe Biden as he now has a 5,500 vote lead, as you mentioned. Now, going forward, the question is provisional ballots and also the ballots that are going to be received, uh, that were received, excuse me, after 8 p.m. on Election Day and will be accepted up until 5 p.m. today. How many of those will be for Joe Biden? Again, you would think it would be consistent with the, the mail-in ballot uh, percentages that we've seen so far. So a lot to watch still here in Pennsylvania, a lot to watch here in Philadelphia. We're expecting updated numbers from the city on their mail-in ballot count and how many more votes go to Joe Biden very soon. But as you mentioned, Joe Biden taking a very slim lead here in Pennsylvania after the president at one point was up double digits. Carl, back over to you. Frank, we will talk again uh, quite soon. And to reiterate, uh, there are no races being called at this point uh, per the NBC decision desk. Uh, it is not uh, president-elect uh, Biden by any means. Uh, just to be very clear about that, we'll see what happens later on this morning, Jim. One uh, element of discussion, though, are these potential Georgia runoffs and the degree to which the Senate control is now in question, which uh, some believe, Jim, may be more of a uh, market center of risk than even the jobs number today. Well, it's interesting in terms of the those of us who get these different emails from these candidates or, or the Senate. I mean, Senator McC uh, McConnell, the the head of the Senate sent uh, an email out yesterday saying we beat the bad guys, we crushed them, spindled, mutilated. You know, it's not like the NFL where you actually have some respect for the other team. And, and uh, yeah, I think that when you see that it's over and it's not over, you suddenly start saying that is so chaotic. How can you buy stocks? But, David, one of the things that has developed in this uh, wacky world is just that stocks seem to be one of the true things, regardless of what happens, because they are becoming a repository of value with bonds yielding nothing, unless you want to call Bitcoin a repository of value. <laughs> well, with, a, with the 10-year below 0.8, right. as you say, you've been willing to withstand multiples, the likes of which we haven't seen in some time, Exactly. for companies that are leaders, without a doubt. And we can talk about the expansion in Apple's multiple, we can talk about the expansion in Microsoft's multiple, but we can't do it without recognizing, as you say, the right. low-rate environment that we may be in for a very long period yeah, of time. That, that's key. The, the, and back to the election, but, Jim, as right. you say, the expectation is we may not get quite as much stimulus with, let's call it a divided uh, president, right. uh, Democratic president in the White House and a, and a Republican Senate. So the Fed is still going to be key. And everybody seems to believe they're just going to keep numbers well, low. I mean, Jay, rates low. Jay, I mean, Jay is like, you know, the, the Chairman Powell yesterday basically said, listen, no one else is doing the job. 
so I'll do the job. I wish some of us would help it. So that means don't you're not bonds for a long time are going to be crummy investments. You're you, the there are plenty of people in the Senate in particular who look at the employment numbers we just got and say, V, 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 why do we need stimulus? And so you come back and you say, look, let's just go over the companies that are doing really well and buy them. And that's what's been going on this whole week, which is that there were so many companies whose numbers had been cut, betting that the pandemic would hurt everyone. And then the pandemic was very is un, very unevenly hurting industries. And if you're Square or if you're Roku or if you're Zillow, I'm looking at all the companies I have on my desk, or if you're Lynn, you come back and you say, Carl, what's the deal? The, the environment is better than we thought. So you have better than expected earnings from companies. You have interest rates that are giving you nothing. You have some election that is like, eh, at this point, uh, let's just get it over. <laughs> and, and you have the Senate. You have a you have Senator Mitch McConnell saying, don't worry, we won. The chaos in Washington is being Trump, but Trump, sorry about the verb, uh, by unbelievable earnings. I mean, Carl, the earnings are just staggeringly good. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, and, and eventually we will get back to it. I, I did want to ask you, though, Stephen Moore, who's not affiliated with the administration, but has been known to be supportive of it, yesterday said something like um, uh, the, the Trump doesn't want to have the last thing he does in office add to two trillion in debt. Uh, we want Biden to own that, not Donald Trump. I mean, what does the market do with the idea that we do go through the next 10 weeks with nothing? Well, does anybody in does this nation actually this great nation actually understand what's going on in terms of who's I mean, look, I, we all took these. Well, I took constitutional law. I have no idea what what the, how this thing's going to trade uh, come out. I mean, it, there's the people they may want the two billion. Uh, Stephen Moore he's a terrific guy. He used to come home with Cudlow and Kramer all the time. They, he may think it's it, the two trillion is tagged on someone, but but it's just Washington. See, I just think that this it's the whole notion of Washington. It's not Trump. It's not Speaker Pelosi. It's Washington. David, Washington has gotten such a bad name that we really don't care what they're doing. We know it's going to be bad. <laughs> well, corporate America has gone its own way. Yes. I think that's been the case over the last few years. Yes. And I think we've noted that uh, it has been corporate America that has led in certain areas where the government typically would. Yes. It will be interesting under a Biden administration whether, in fact, corporate America pulls back in some way or doesn't perhaps pursue things quite as aggressively. That's unclear. And I'm talking about things like under the ESG banner, whether it's dealing with trying to become uh, carbon neutral in some period of time, right. dealing with matters of inclusion. Uh, you know, and other things that, CBS, again, this morning, we were trying to assert itself in the right. healthcare debate, given the absence of any leadership in healthcare. There you go. So, I mean, all these different areas where typically you would see that said, I think you could expect a Biden administration may be a bit more active in those areas than a Trump administration's been, Jim. I'm not going to disagree with that, particularly if uh, the Biden administration uh, takes the corporate tax rate up so that the companies simply cannot reward. Well, it's not clear that. that they're going to be able to have a significant not tax without bill the Senate. without the Senate. Yeah, even if it's 50 50. You're right. Well, come on. You got Joe Manchin. You got, I mean, it's not clear at all. You're going to well, be David, able to get what you want. You're explaining a world, Carl, this is a fantastic world. Uh, and I'm being facetious with the word fantastic, where our generations <laughs> just do, just crush it, man. And then our grandchildren are like, thanks uh, for nothing, Zimbabwe. You know, thank you for Venezuela. We're really thrilled about what you did in terms of printing Weimar-like wheelbarrows because we don't care. Does anyone actually think about that, Carl? Like, our grandchildren are going to be the trillion, the guys who have faced the trillion well, stuff. Well, while the water is rising all around them, too. Don't forget that. Well, what is, what is that, like Bob Dylan? What are you Climate about? change. Remember that one? 
the water is rough. No, the corporations are solving that. Yeah. <laughs> they are, actually. Yeah. They're it's trying. The, the big winners I mean, it is kind are, of funny. You bring on the CEO of Dow Chemical. All he ever wants to talk about is recycling plastic, right? Well, what about the Exxon Ionis- Mobil devoted how much of their release to, you know, they're going to suck carbon out of yeah. the uh, atmosphere. It, now, it, listen, these are all on the come. Did you still- see Stark Industries getting out of military business? <laughs> I mean, this is anything I've seen that. that. I've seen that. You didn't like that. You I were got very a hat unhappy for it. With Everyone that. else made hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I got a darn hat. You mentioned that a few times, too. Not yeah, that it really I, bothers no, it's you. because I'm a repeater of things, just like my dad. Uh, it's only going to get worse. David, didn't you see the new Biogen drug? I did. That's going to help. I did. Biogen, by the way, may be halted much of, of the day as the FDA panel debates it, but right. it's likely to get approved. Biogen stock price soared, as we know, Do a couple days. So it was right after our show, actually. So we didn't get a chance to talk and, about and, it. And, the and other Carl, day. I've got to tell you, that drug could revolutionize healthcare if it really is as good. It's okay. not clear. Well, you've seen the data, or at least you've read about the data, Jim. The it's not clear not that it, listen, it, it is the first drug that is going to potentially halt the progression of Alzheimer's. Thank, that is enormous. It's it will immediately potentially become the largest selling drug in the world if, in fact, it is seen as effective. That said, again, I'm with the, it's not like it's curing it. It's better than what we have. Yes. What do we have now? Nothing. You know, divide, we take, take supplements. Nothing. Anyway, Carl, we got to watch Biogen. It's a very important story, not as important as Pennsylvania. But we have a lot of stocks that are trading like Roku. Do you think Roku is going up or down because of the Senate? No, it's because the quarter was just unbelievably good. How about Square? Square Cash is just doing amazing. Take-Two Interactive. None of these is being held back by Washington, Carl. These are just stories that we're saying, okay, let's just analyze them as companies. Let's not put a a, a, squinch the multiple because of Pennsylvania. I also, a lot of people say to me, Jim, it's going to take forever. Does anyone think that the judiciary, judiciary wants this over too? You know, they're human. They're not all just sitting there saying, you know what, we're going to be like Oliver Wendell Holmes. Like the Oliver Lewis Brandeis. They're not all Brandeis in Frankfurt. I mean, a lot of these guys are saying, you know what, I want to solve that. And you get the clerk. They go to the clerk. David, you know, go to the clerk who's 27, got out of law school, and say, just give me an answer. You know, it's it's Sunday. We play Sunday. I want to watch the game. I'm not denigrating the federal judge. I'm saying they're they're, they're just like you and me. They're not like, you know, RBG, you know, who's, you know, she was pretty heavyweight. She did a lot of workout and she wasn't doing work when she was working out. I don't know, Carl. They're humans. Uh, Indeed, Jim. Uh, We'll take a look here at uh, a lot of the earnings that we have on tap. We'll talk more about the jobs number uh, later on this morning. We'll keep our eye on the updates out of Pennsylvania and Georgia in particular. As we said, futures are uh, trying to hedge their bets here to some degree relative to the past few mornings. But we're coming off of four straight days of 1% gains on the Dow and the S&P. That hasn't happened since October 1982. Back in a moment. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. As cities open up, Uber opens up as well. We think that actually we can be a beneficiary of certain trends that we're seeing. But again, to predict it is, uh, is a fool's errand at this point. 
At Super's Darakash Rashahi on Squawk Box earlier this morning, uh, 62 cent losses narrower than expected, revenue a bit shy. Jim, seeing some target increases, BTIG goes to 55. I know uh, you're constructive on the story. Yeah, well, because I think that he buried the lead when he was asked uh, a question, Star. Of course, had to talk about Prop 22. Look, this is a company that delivers food to your house in a pandemic, okay? They have just, that, that market's been divided basically into a duopoly. Uh, it is extraordinary what has happened. It has become a very profitable business. They have a ride-sharing business that one day, look, the, one day it may turn out that we have uh, driverless cars, and then they can crush it in that business. Uh, Dara's right that absolutely the comeback is stunning because people feel that those cars are cleaner once they uh, develop the process. But the, the food delivery business is so exciting. Because they can jack up prices to the moon and because no one wants to go, David, other than Le Bernadette, <laughs> what restaurant would you possibly go to? No, but well, you go to call. a lot of restaurants outside right now. So right. But I'm saying, yeah, when it gets to it be minus 20, which still happens even with global warming. But what it will be is, David, is that you will be using one of two delivery services. Correct. OK, correct. You will. You and without a doubt, there are a lot of people using them right now, which is why. Their delivery segment, EBITDA, was uh, down 183 million, negative 183 million versus estimates of what over 230 million from many of the analysts who follow the company. And Lost. also, they did have uh, positive delivery incremental margins up 18 percent. But don't rate. you think that's amazing? I mean, you see what's happening. They're still losing money in the business. Yeah, but you see, well, th- that going forward when they start fixing, I mean, when they uh, kind of agree on prices a little more. Yeah. Uh, what will happen is that you will, uh, during the winter, you will call to get food, and one of the two, you know, Tony Sue, I guess that company will come public too. But DoorDash you're talking DoorDash, about. DoorDash, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just DoorDash or Uber Eats. I never thought this would happen. I thought that there would always be an oligopoly doing business, you know, fighting each other tooth and nail. But now I think you'll get rates set. That's but, helpful for the business. Right. We know that. Oh, well, you talking about the people. <laughs> Don't get sentimental with me, Chief. <laughs> Carl, send it over to you. Uh, Jim, we'll talk more... We'll talk more later this morning about uh, how they were able to put that Prop 22 victory together and whether that can be replicated in some other states as well. It is a busy morning uh, and the market on tinderhooks as we await more vote updates. Futures have gone a little more positive. Squawk on the street and the opening bell in about 10 minutes. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's (laughs) YahooFinance.com. Welcome to Mad Dash. We're just trying to figure out what to do here because we were going to talk T-Mobile, which I thought we might talk around the bell. People don't understand that we don't talk to each other ahead of time because of the surprise factor. Exactly. And And that's why it's authentic. We can kind of hit both. Why don't we start with T-Mobile? Okay, now, David, I've got to tell you that T-Mobile is, and I'm going to use Barclays' term, way ahead of schedule 
in terms of the integration. It was a true great, great beat and raise. Uh, the synergy here is remarkable. Two million, David, two, two million new. Uh, yeah, I don't know where they're all coming from because, well, you know, it's not like variety. I mean, listen, churn is way down for everybody. Yes. They've, the, the Sprint customers that they took on, churn is way down there. Uh, but uh, Verizon and AT&T had good quarters, good too. So, so the question is, where are they from? coming from? And I, I think it's a great quandary. I know John Ledger might have an answer to that. But the fact is, this company has been the big winner of the three. ATT, the big loser of the three, even if you include the dividend. Uh, I, I, John Ledger, remember, we were, sus- we were suspect when he said that these two companies could get together. But it turns out that they really did have a tremendous ability to complement each other. This stock's probably not even done going up, Well, David. I mean, we're just at the advent of 5G. We'll talk a lot more yes, about it around the bell. they have good 5G. Let's get to Peloton while Well, while Peloton, uh, look, Peloton did a great number. But they, people were talking about how they still haven't caught up uh, with, the, uh, with demand. And this time that came up as a negative, not a positive. I thought that was interesting. Like people were like, are you kidding me? Come on. Get your act together. It's been a while now. Whereas right? before yeah. it was like, yeah, demand is, exceed, is so much better than supply. Now, that could turn around. Uh, but there is profit taking when people realize, wait a second, you know, we're up 334 year to date and we're really just a bike company. Which is not true. David, you know what they really are? What? An ecosystem. That's right. They're an ecosystem. Is there anything I need? Are you know the McDonald's ecosystem or the Wendy's Baconator ecosystem? I'm not in either one of those. No. Well, there's just ecosystems all over the place. Be careful. Don't step on one. I'll try not to. We got an opening bell for you about uh, five and a half minutes away. Stay with us. A lot more Squawk in the Street straight ahead. Let's take a look at the Dow gains last four days, point by point. One percent gains each day. That hasn't happened since 1982. In fact, Jim, it's only happened three times, 82, 74, and 70. And uh, generally, given the extremely small sample, uh, you've got to take it with a grain of salt. But a month later, uh, the returns are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, 82 stands out as a year where, you just, uh, where people just kept believing it couldn't be. Uh, 81 had been uh, where bonds, you're talking about uh, treasuries at 14%. There was no way that stocks could ever compete. And it just kept going and going and going as interest rates went down. I don't know if it can be that good. But I have to tell you, Carl, um, if it matters that, that it's earnings, it's sustainable. It really is. And it's also a reversal of what happened last week. But, you know, David, I don't, I'm trying to figure out who missed. Who missed? Remember, all the remember in March, they all cut their estimates because right. uh, because there was a doomsday feel. Yep. And now they're beating all those estimates. So you may say that those estimates were phony, but I, I need a company that missed numbers. Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking this morning well, Jim, and I'm not yes. seeing it, Carl. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah. I mean, the the the, the usually the, the knee jerk on that is that we had no guidance. So analysts were flailing in the dark. And even though the beat ratio is incredibly strong. Uh, and the magnitude of the beats are incredibly strong. I don't know. Some people tr- are trying to argue it doesn't count. Well, look, I, I say not only does it count, but what we're happen- what's happening right here at this very moment is a, a view that stocks are becoming the repository of wealth in this country. We can't have negative returns and own those. Nobody's that stupid. OK, now, honest to God, bonds are being taken off the table as an investable class if they go negative. Stocks, on the other hand, we have so many companies that yield two, three, four percent that are real companies that are actual companies. They're not made up. They're going to be able to pay the dividend. They're even going to be able to increase their dividend. 
So what I'm seeing is a belief that maybe we are not as uh, maybe we're too critical of an asset class that's been very good for very long. Guys, let's get the opening bell here and check in on uh, Brett, which has been overwhelmingly positive uh, last few days, uh, increasingly so, in fact. We do want to turn our attention really quick to the race for president. Vice President Biden holding the edge here this morning, taking the lead in the vote count in both Pennsylvania and Georgia this morning. But with vote counting ongoing, both races are still too close to call. NBC has not made a projection in either race. In Arizona, we're expecting a new batch of votes uh, from the state's largest county, Maricopa, to drop at 11 a.m. Eastern time. The president has, in fact, been closing the gap there. And as we said earlier, uh, Biden currently leads in the Electoral College 253 to 214. Um, there's a narrative, Jim, that uh, he might end up going 306 to 232, which was the same margin uh, that the president won in 2016, if you take out the factor from uh, some electors who abstained. So now the debate will continue as to whether or not uh, 306 is a mandate, if in fact that's what happens. Well, I think the one of the things that people are going to have to start dealing with is maybe it's not good to be able to disclose these uh, results piecemeal because it, it, it causes a lot of people to make a lot of mistakes, including a president. I mean, it, it, there's no certainty of these numbers until the fat lady sings. And yet we keep acting. I was watching a network last night that said, well, hold it. There's, new, there's 300 more people in Bucks County who just voted in Pennsylvania for Biden. I mean, it, this is not conducive to democracy. But, but they, they didn't just vote. They voted days ago, oh, weeks David, ago. Oh, David, you get exactly what I'm talking <laughs> I about. I do, but I think other people may mistake what you're talking about and think that people were showing up to vote no, after no, election No, I'm just day. saying that this whole we thing We need to make is... it clear that that's not the case. And in fact, Jim, to your point, many of these states were prevented from counting yes. the mail-in and absentee ballots prior to election by day. By legislatures. By legislatures, which, by the way, were controlled by the GOP. Many of those were laws that were put on to prevent that, in part, they would say, so that you would see some of the day of tallies that would look very strong. But the fact is, all those votes were cast on or prior to Election Day. They're simply being counted. But remember, I don't know if it's Carl, remember when there would be rate, I remember as a cub reporter where I would take a break from covering homicide to cover elections because they used to call the elections at 4 p.m., yeah, but you know what? They'd still keep <laughs> counting. I mean, you know, you can call New York and California because you know what's going to happen. Have you noticed the popular vote count keeps going up a lot more than we're getting new votes from Arizona or Nevada? And, which, and your point is? My point is California's still counting. New York is still counting. Many of these states are not done with their counts. So it's you just want that we know which Saturday? way it was going to go. Election salt result day should be Saturday. Jim, this election. is the way it's always been. That's never changed. Well, the, but we have more people who are encouraged not to vote. And when you had 100, because we had 145 million people, I don't know where we are. I mean, Biden's up by four million in the popular vote, Carl. But out of the totals are what almost 140 something million at this yeah. point, right? 73 million, 69 yeah. million. Trump got uh, more votes than any Republican if, candidate's if, ever gotten. Yeah, if Biden ends up being up four million, some people are saying if you, once California rolls in, maybe seven million. I mean, Bush 04 uh, won by three million. Obama 12 won by 4.8. Clinton 92 was 5.8. So you're potentially looking at a bigger popular vote margin than Clinton 92. That's, I mean, that is remarkable. Again, I, knowing, look, it's not that I, I went to law school to be a genius, but a lot of my friends have become judges, okay, including in the Supreme Court. And you have to believe that they actually look at that, Carl. Now, I know everyone wants to just say 
They are just arbiters based on the facts. They are not arbiters based on the facts. They look at the facts, but believe me, with this kind of thing, they want to be legitimate. And to be really legitimate, you're going to, like it or not, Mr. President, that means you're going to look at the popular vote. It's just going to happen. They're, again, I stress that they're human. We seem to have some sort of belief that they look at the facts, they make a judgment, and that's it. No, it, they don't do that. They well, see the popular vote. They see how the people were speaking. They want, don't want to deny the people their voice in this great country. David, they're, yes. what? they're not Oliver Wendell Holmes. No, but it's very much unclear what will get to the courts, Jim, and what won't. Uh, despite the president's assertions of widespread fraud, there appears no basis for that right now. But maybe that will be presented in some way that a court will actually have to consider it. So far, two judges, I think, have already thrown out early lawsuits. Yeah, do you see they but, threw them out? Do you see how they threw them out? They basically threw them out like, are you, are you like kidding me? Right. Well, you they were saying things that weren't true. They're like, well, we're, we don't have people in there. He's like, but you do have people but, in there. Right. Well, there oh. are lots of examples where they have uh, they actually have film people doing the wrong thing. They claim again, Carl, the judiciary does not want to play a big role. Florida. We all remember hanging Chaz in Florida. That was a complete malfunction. I mean, there was no, it was just malfunction. It wasn't like corruption. It was like it didn't work. They were stupid and didn't work. But, Carl, I, the judiciary has often wanted to reflect the people. And they do not want to become the reason why Biden became president or Trump stayed as president. They don't want that role. Uh, you may be right, Jim. Uh, certainly James Baker, uh, who helped... Uh, navigate the mess in Florida in 2000, told the Times yesterday that one thing they never did was say, don't count the votes. And in Baker's view, uh, that's a dangerous thing to say in a democracy. I guess for our purposes, Jim, and we'll let the other networks try to handle the horse race, is how do you start thinking about whether or not to sell winners in December or take a gamble that McConnell hangs on? I mean, are we having that discussion already? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I have to believe that McConnell uh, can can uh, stop uh, stop any move to raise taxes. I really do. I think that, that they're deeply committed to that. That's one thing that the Republicans really want to be known as, uh, not raising taxes on anybody. David, the Republicans are no longer the par- party that we grew up with where they would just do anything they can to be fiscally conservative. No, but one would expect with a Biden presidency they may return to more fiscal rectitude. Why? Because that will uh, stop the Biden agenda. You whatever that might be. So that is why the market is reacting the way it has this week. Obviously, we're down right now in the early going, but basically it's seen as a positive because you will not have a lot more spending. Well, I mean, now, Jim, you have said repeatedly we need more spending well, to deal small, with the COVID, with the pandemic and the impact of it on small and medium sized businesses. Right. Well, because we don't trade small, medium. We, and trade we may not get that in the next couple of months. Um, you know, until uh, until Biden takes office. Well, I was astonished that he morning, does. But the labor numbers did show hospitality and leisure coming back. But from an, a base that's very low and there's 14 million people we keep hearing that over and over again. But it's the number that does check out, Carl, where we know um, that there are a lot of people. The the rate of of covid cases right now is so frightening to the whole country that you really don't feel like going out. I have take two interactive one tonight. I've got to tell you, we are finding new ways to stay home and do nothing because it is just too scary. Uh, I felt very, uh, so, you know, honestly, if you go out in cities, there's nobody there. I mean, it looks like the day the world stood still, which is a great Michael Red great movie. Yeah. I think, I mean, the problem this morning, Jim, is you can throw a bunch of examples that sort of 
cloud that picture. Live Nation is one of the worst performing components, which fits with what you're saying. But so is Electronic Arts. Marriott's well into the green today on their numbers. Yeah, I know. So, it takes, uh, it takes it, two's I mean, down six points from where it was. I have, uh, I have Strauss down. I suspect it's going to be down even more. I think that there's a belief like Peloton. Uh, these stocks are, uh, at the very moment, have had run up so much that maybe they need a breather. Um, but, Carl, the, the rate of COVID is so devastating that I think people are going to rechange their habits. These numbers, I think, were, some of them are reflecting the idea that maybe we're going to happy days we're here again. Uh, and now, that, we're looking at numbers we've never seen before. We said that at the top of the show, yes. 118,000 or so. And again, I'm t- now I'm going with the global COVID-19 update from the global COVID-19 monitor. People have somewhat different numbers that differ a very bit, but 118,000 is what they're saying in the U.S. And again, Texas at 9,600 new cases. By the way, France is also having a brutal time of it. 58,000 new cases yesterday. France is, you know, that's even more than we would on a population-adjusted basis. So it's all over. Uh, Italy, 34,000 new cases yesterday. It's, Jim, you know, they have lockdowns in place in some of these European countries. I think it's very, very unlikely that we'll see something similar here. But to your point, it doesn't mean it's not going to inhibit behavior which is going to have an impact on economic activity, particularly in terms of people going out and spending well, money on things. Well, David, I think when your boy comes home from college, yes. you got to get him a PCR test oh, I'm gonna, three yeah. straight days. I, I don't, we don't know what we're going to do, in all seriousness. It's, Maybe you have it's an issue. Test because him. it's not just him. It's all his friends, right? They all come back from all over. No, and what do they want to do? They all want to get together. And tick- they want to have fun. They're ticking time bombs. Yeah, and then they want to come home to me. And I'm like, no. Smart. Love you. I haven't hugged my daughter in six months. <laughs> um, Carl, a uh, couple oh of quick God. other names to just to get to. We mentioned T-Mobile at the wall. It's up a lot this morning. Uh, T-Mobile's gym is up 7.5% on we'll those stronger-than-expected numbers. You mentioned it. Postpaid net ads were 640, but overall 2 million. Um, uh, and 5G, people think that they're very quite well positioned for in terms of slowly but surely building out that network so they'll, they'll get to 100 million potential population in terms of what they can serve by the end of this year, so only a couple more months. Uh, the question there continues to be, will there be more competition in terms of price as the Apple phone rolls out? Uh, Dish Network's also up. Um, their Sling TV product did quite well. They are continuing to lose subscribers overall at the, the old the old. Uh, direct satellite business, but they are uh, they did better than anticipated with the sling, um, you know, which is the group of channels that you can buy for a set price a la carte in a sense. Uh, and um, they gave us the first numbers we saw in Boost Mobile. They lost 200,000 subscribers, but they got about 9 million wireless subscribers there. Remember, that was a divestiture from T-Mobile and Sprint when they got together. So quick, quick, some quick hits on two names we had. Well, one name we hadn't mentioned, guys. I think we've gotten all the other major earnings this morning. Yeah, uh, we we squeezed them in amid a lot of other news, David. Uh, In the meantime, even though we got some red arrows, stocks are still having the best week since April. Let's get to Bob Bassani. Hey, Bob. Uh, Flattish open, Carl. Happy Friday, everybody. And I know the U.S. elections are the main issue on everybody's mind. But frankly, the big mover of the stock market was the was the, uh, the jobs report number. It was terrific. It was better than expected. And it really moved the stock market. I know nobody's paying a lot of attention to that, but we moved 30 points after 8.30 Eastern time. Take a look at the S&P 500. There's your intraday. And actually moved into positive territory. Um, 30 points, pretty good. And very good numbers overall here. In terms of sectors today, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. The thing I note here is with yields moved up, the yields moved up on the, on, on the, uh, on the jobs report. Uh, and the bank stocks are outperforming. They've had a very good week, a 
little bit less than the S&P, but everything else here is on either side of positive or negative. Techs are underperforming today. Uh, I call this the uh, everyone wins week, everybody in the pool, because it doesn't matter what you are looking at. We've had a remarkable week. Large cap stocks are up 7%. Small cap stocks are up 7%. Defensive stocks are up 7 or 8%. Growth stocks are up 8 or 9%. Even the cyclical stocks are doing okay. Transport's up uh, about 5%. This was as we were going into the open today. So everybody in the pool this week is what I'm calling it. And by the way, this is a global rally. The S&P is up 7% this week. The Europe stock 600, which is the sort of the S&P over there, uh, they're also up about 6% for the week. And by the way, uh, the best weekly gain in Europe since going back to June. The MSCI Asia Pacific Index is up 5 or 6%. That's a two and a half year high. It's the best week in over there since April. And we also saw Japan moving to the upside as well. The Nikkei posted its highest close since 1991, as I recall. So big moves up there uh, globally. So why are we getting this? This confluence of events on the surface what appears to be GOP maintaining control of the Senate, still disputed, though, but no major tax hikes is what a lot of people are talking about. Less regulation of tech and health care. But we also have McConnell talking about stimulus sooner rather than later, surprising everyone. Of course, the Fed is still standing by. The, uh, Europe, uh, the banks there look like they're ready to do things, too. The Bank of England uh, did more with QE this week. And the vaccine data is on the way. This is like the perfect storm for markets overall. The question is, is it going to really move the market on the earnings situation? Because that's what happened in the third quarter. Fourth quarter numbers are kind of flattish right now for the S&P 500. And that's what we care about. Are they raising the numbers because things are getting better? And basically, it's flattened out a little bit here. There's a surge in coronavirus cases and no stimulus. And so nobody's quite sure what's going on. So we sort of flattened out. The markets are hopeful that suddenly things are going to change on this, that we'll get some stimulus and these numbers will change, but we don't have it. So everybody's kind of waiting. So the bottom line here, Carl, is holding pattern on the earnings situation. Uh, good news on the employment front for this week or this morning really moved the markets overall. Quite a week here. Four straight days on the upside. <laughs> Maybe we can be update today as well. Back to you. Yeah, we'll see, Bob. Thanks. Meantime, you got a, a fold in claims. Uh, the dollar ha on pace for its worst week since the spring. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Morning, Rick. Good morning. And Carl, you nailed it. There's a lot of things going on. And right off the get go, listen, we may not know for a long time, many weeks, exactly what the certified data is regarding who's president. But I'll tell you what, the fact that it's this close and it takes that long speaks volumes. So, in my opinion, that's why a good jobs number made the markets do what they did in the old days. Stocks up, rates up, it all fits. Maybe except the dollar. We'll get to that briefly. Look at the intraday of fives. Right now, at 36 basis points. It's up three on the day, only down two on the week. Go to the far maturity. Look at the intraday of 30-year bonds. At a yield of 160, it's up eight on the day, now only down six on the week. Look at a one week of tens. They're only down five on the week. And you can clearly see we have really come back. Remember, on an intraday basis, we were up as high as 94 basis points, as low as 74 basis points. So the economic data really does still matter. And as far as where the dollar, in, or excuse me, tenure is relative to the last couple of months, to put some perspective, here's a two-month chart. And definitely, we're closer to the upper end of the range. It looks like we turned the corner a bit. 
I would say this puts really excellent support at three quarters of 1% on yield, and it's going to make 90 to 92 basis points on a closing basis, very significant resistance. Finally, we're getting to the dollar, because the dollar has not had a good week. Uh, when I calculated what, where it was on the week, we were at right around 92.30-ish, and that was down 1.85% on the week, considering we closed at 94.04. Not only not a great week for the dollar, you know, the euro's regained its footing to some extent, and the Chinese currency is doing really well this week against all the majors. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you, uh, Rick Santelli. So we got some red arrows. S&P's holding 3,500. Uh, S&P, NAS, still the best week since April. Dow now is only the best week since early June. Don't go away. Let's get an update from Georgia. Contessa Brewer is in Alma. She has the latest for us this morning. Contessa. Hi, David. Georgia says it currently has 8,197 absentee ballots, plus whatever comes in from military and overseas today. Right now, Joe Biden is leading. He moved ahead of President Trump early this morning. He now leads by 1,097 votes with 99% of the vote in. And we've seen across Georgia, those early votes came in in rural counties for President Trump with large majorities. And then Biden goes in and wins over those urban dwellers by equally large margins. And there's just simply more voters there. This latest batch of ballots pushed Biden over the edge from Clayton County. 85% of the voters there chose Biden. Now we focus on Gwinnett County. The election workers resume counting this morning. This county now holds the biggest cache of unsorted ballots in the state, 4,000 or so. Gwinnett County tells me that some votes won't be posted until after 5 p.m. today. That's the deadline for signature cures, provisional ballot and for overseas and military ballots to arrive. The state actually has until next Friday to complete this count. In response to President Trump's complaints of fraud and illegal ballots, state election officials say they get reports of irregularities every election, but they haven't seen anything so widespread to affect the outcomes, except, quote, when you have a race that's this close, even the smallest thing could affect these outcomes. If the race ends within a half a percent margin, guys, which is where we are right now, the recount could be requested. So that could really lengthen the, the amount of time we have to wait. Patience is a virtue. Remember, not necessarily mine, but it is a virtue. If all of that is not enough of a cliffhanger, Georgia also may hold the keys to control of the Senate. We're looking for a, a runoff because candidates here have to get to 50 percent of the vote. We already know that will happen in one race where Raphael Warnock uh, will face off with the incumbent Kelly Loeffler, and then the increasing possibility of a second runoff between Republican Senator David Perdue and John Ossoff. Those elections would be held on January 5th after the new Congress is sworn in, and so we may not know until Georgia has these runoff races who gets control of Congress, of the Senate in particularly. Carl? Yeah, Contessa, that's a long time uh, for the market to wait for clarity, but that's where we are, uh, potentially, given the standing results right now in Georgia. Contessa Brewer on the Georgia race. We'll take a break here. Uh, Market-wise, uh, not a whole lot of movement, especially in the VIX, which is exactly flat at the moment. We're being led lower by uh, consumer discretionary and information technology. We're going to talk about all of this with Larry Kudlow later on this morning, uh, director of the National Economic Council, as the market continues to wait for some resolution on this crazy election week. Don't go away. Time for Jim and Stop Trading. 
You know, we've got a couple, so many things happening, but one of the things we didn't talk about was CVS. Uh, there's a change in leadership there. Um, you've got, you know, Larry Merlot, who uh, will be on closing bell, by the way. And Karen Lynch takes over. Now, who's Karen Lynch? She's a long-term hand, but she's from the Cigna side of things. And that is the side that has to dominate if this stock is going to go up because the store is being crushed by Amazon. Now, is it really? Well, that's the wrap. David calls it the Death Star. Actually, one of his guests did. There's better numbers coming. And I have to tell you that CVS is going to be a leader in healthcare when this is done. And let's not forget that Larry Merlot did take tobacco out. He took the $2 billion hit because he wanted it to be a healthcare company, not a cancer-serving company. And I salute him. And the stock's going higher. Yeah. Now, he was prescient on that call, Jim. Uh, and that's a tough call to make. Oh, was that ever. Given some of the global dynamics on, on, on tobacco. How about tonight? Okay. We have take two, which is going down because of electronic arts. That's ridiculous. EA was a flat-out miss. We, we have Hostess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, who doesn't like Hostess? I'll be chowing down on them this weekend. And Alan McKim, the biggest cleanup company after covid is Clean Harbors. No one talks about it. We're going to talk about it tonight. I want everyone to have a fabulous weekend. I think we should work uh, today and tomorrow. I've got a buy this weekend, so why not? David, a buy. A buy. Oh, B-Y-E. Yeah. I, got I thought you were putting yeah, a buy on the weekend. My wife loves it. We you know, you, I, said, I have a buy. Know. She goes, what are you, suit up? Are you like a linebacker? Yeah, exactly. What are you? I'm a fan. You're a fan. I'm a fan. You ever read a fan's notes? Great book. Frederick Eckman. You should read it. Uh... Jim, um, we thank you as always, though, for this week, man, helping us uh, keep our legs under us because there's been a lot thrown at the market. Uh, We'll see you tonight, Mad Money, 6 p.m. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.